Sisters, recently I read the following. One recent evening when the moon was full, I studied it from my back porch. It seemed as clear and close as the globe on the lamppost. Finding binoculars, I studied them against the railing and magnified the moon. In other words, I focused on it, made it larger in my eyes, and studied it until I was overwhelmed with its ivory plains and gently outlined mountains, with its splotched creatures and jagged etchers. That congregation is what we must do with regard to the name of the Lord. We must magnify God's name. How and why? Well, because his name reveals us who he is. We must examine what his great and wonderful name means. For once you put his name under the magnifying glass, you become aware of his brilliance, of his glory, and of his majesty. When you take a close look at his name, then you realize how great he is. And then you stand in awe of him. And there is so much to discover. God's name is very important. However, we live in a world that does not think so. And therefore, it uses God's name with impunity and contempt. The people of the world do not give it another thought. They do not even glance God's way. God's name means nothing to them. The unbeliever thinks that God's name has no power and no meaning that it is empty of content. But that's a danger for us also. In numerous ways, we too treat God's name as if it doesn't have the respect that it deserves. We're too busy with ourselves so often and with our own names. And when you are busy navel-gazing, then you will not see God. And so this afternoon, as we deal with the third commandment, we will take a close look at God's name and how his name must be honored. I will preach to you about the holiness of God's name. We'll look at two things. First, the use of his name. Secondly, the abuse of his name. So it's about the holiness of God's name. First, and the use of his name. Each commandment must always be seen to be in close connection with the introduction to the ten words of the covenant. For the Lord God first introduced himself to his covenant people as the Lord their God. And he reminded them of what he had just done. For what had he done? Well, he had miraculously delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians. And now they're no longer slaves. And now they can serve their Lord in freedom. Of course, at that time, the people still had many questions. What about the future? What's going to happen? Will we be able to sustain ourselves in the desert? Will there be enough food and drink? And what about all the enemies that we have to face? They're powerful and hostile. They have seasoned armies and vastly superior numbers. How are we going to make it to the promised land? It is in this and similar circumstances that God's name 
takes on such great significance. Yahweh, he is the Lord, their God. The Israelites had seen his power and might in the way that he dealt with the Egyptians. They observed him as a God who acts as someone whose name really means something, whose name has great content, unlike the gods of the other nations. The names of their many gods did not mean anything, didn't have any content. This became also clear later in the history of Israel, as we can see about the story about the priests and the priests of Baal and Elijah. In order to show that the Lord God of Israel is an all-powerful God, Elijah ordered the people to prepare two bowls, one for the Baals and one for the Lord. And the heathen priests would have to call upon the Baals to provide them with fire. But Elijah would call upon God, the Lord, about Yah- on Yahweh. And the priests of Baal called on the name, on his name, from morning till noon. And at that time he mocked the priests, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing, or is relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep. You have to wake him up. But even after they cut themselves with swords and spears until blood gushed out, no one answered, no one paid attention. Well, why? Because Baal is not a God. He is not a God that can answer you. But then the Lord God, he does, and he answers with fire from heaven. He consumes the bull and the wood and the stones and licks up the water in the trench of the altar. The Lord God, the God of Israel, who is the creator of heaven and earth and who is also our God, is a God who is real. A God who hears our prayers. A God on whom you can rely. And when you call upon his name, then you know that you call upon someone who is able to act. And that is what Israel had to learn already at the beginning of its nationhood. And that is why the question that Moses asked when he encountered God in the burning bush was such an important one. He asked, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Exodus 3. The same question man asks today as well. Who exactly is that God that you worship? What's his name? Does he even exist? How can you know him? Perhaps it's a question that you ask sometimes as well. What's the answer? Well, the same answer that God gave to Moses is the answer that he gives to you and to me as well. He is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is the God who always has existed. He is the one who has revealed himself in the Bible in his word. And that is why he says further, My name is... I am who I am. Tell the Israelites, I am sent me to you. You could also translate his name as, I will be who I will be. For in the Hebrew, no tense is given. It can be translated in the past tense, in the present tense, and in the future tense. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
But the Lord proved during the time of Moses that he defends and preserves his people, and he continues to do that today into eternity. Until he made himself known to Moses, the people did not know his name. The way that he made his presence known was at that time by making an appearance. That's what he did to the patriarchs time and again. He appeared to them in dreams and in visions and through the angels. And that's what he did to the people of old, to Adam and to Noah and to others. Israel only knew him as the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But there in the burning bush, he makes himself known to them. He makes his name known to them. And that's very important. In our daily lives, it's also important to know names. For once you know someone's name, then you have a relationship with him. You can call his name, and he will respond to you. And once you know a person's name, then you also know what that person stands for, how he thinks about things, what he is capable of, and what his reputation is. It's especially good to know a person's name if such a person has certain power. It's good to know names in high places, for they can grant you certain favors, for you have such, for you have a relationship with such a person. Some time ago, I saw some big and tall teenage boys playing ball together. And while they were playing, the little boy who was crying came upon the scene. He was obviously in distress. And then he called one of the boys' names, who turned out to be his big brother. As soon as he called out the name, his big brother stopped playing. He came to his little brother's assistance. And that's also the way it is with the Lord God. You know his name. He has revealed his name to you. He has put his name to you as it says in number six. He does that every Sunday. He lifts up his name upon you. That's what it literally says. And he tells you that you are his child. You belong to him. And you have his name on your forehead. And you know what that name stands for. You know what God is capable of. Well, look at this beautiful creation. He came and spoke, and it came to be. He is the Almighty God, and He is always within reach, and He is always available. You can call upon Him day and night. You can call upon Him when you're in distress. He will come to your side, He will remind you of His covenant promises. He will remind you of his greatness. He will remind you of the great plan that he has for you. And he will protect you. And he will grant you favors. And he will give you comfort. And he will do that also when you're struggling with sin. And you call upon his name. He will help you. We see especially in the Psalms how the believers drew comfort and strength from the Lord their God. The author of Psalm 94 ridicules those who believe that they cannot call upon the Lord. But then what does he say in verse 9? He says, he who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? To call upon the Lord can only be done in faith. You must truly believe that God is the one who created the whole 
universe and made us part of it, that he is your God. You must truly believe when you call upon him that he is our father in heaven who listens to us when we pray. There are a lot of things that can happen to each and every one of us during the day, during the week, during the years. Life can be so complicated. A lot of things happen and we have to make sense of it all. And how you do that, the only way that you can navigate life is by knowing about God and by knowing his name. Can you imagine if we didn't know him? The well-known author, J.I. Packer, gives the illustration of an Amazonian tribesman who only knows the ways of the jungle and doesn't speak any other language except his own. He's never been out of the jungle. He says, suppose we would grab such a bushman, fly him to London, and put him without any explanation in the midst of Trafalgar Square, and leave him to fend for himself. That would be cruel, wouldn't it? He says, in this way, we would also be cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about God, whose world it is, and who runs it. Without God, brothers and sisters, we are lost in this world. Without him, we don't have a roadmap to know how to avoid the dangers and the cruelties and the unexpected. There are so many things in this broken world that can derail us and bring us down. We have a lot of worries and concerns. We worry about our future about what will become of us. There are so many things that can frustrate our plans. Life is full of twists and turns. We feel powerless in the midst of turmoil. During those times of upheaval and uncertainty, God's name and his word is a constant. He has proclaimed his name upon us. He has lifted his name on us. And he did that already at the time of your baptism. And he does that every first day of the week. The Lord lifts his name upon us. He lifts his countenance upon us. He lifts his face upon us. He looks at us and watches over us. He looks favorably on us. We are his children. And he loves us. And nothing and no one can change that. And brothers and sisters, the Lord continues to come to us with his word. He reveals, he reveals to us his name. He reveals to us his name every time we open the scriptures and every time he confronts us with the living preaching of the word. And we may know again that we have a father in heaven who does care for us. He has shown that to us time and again. We can say together with David in Psalm 18, verse 6, In my distress I called upon the Lord. To my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. And then in verse 46, The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock. The Lord reveals us his name in his word. We can hang on to that name. It's our rock. 
This is especially significant for the covenant community, for you and for me who have the sign and the seal of the covenant on our foreheads and who want to be bound by the conditions of the covenant. For in revealing his name to us, he also opens himself up to us. He makes himself accessible to us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ is the door through whom we may enter. It is a great privilege to know God as our Father who has made a covenant with us. For by being in the covenant and by being subject to the instruction of his word, we know things that are hidden from the world, from the high and mighty of this age. As the Lord says in Matthew 11, verse 25, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. We must be like little children. You do not have to be a learned theologian in order to call upon the name of the Lord. You do not have to be able to recite the Bible and the confessions backwards and frontwards from A to Z. No, you have to know the Lord your God as your Father in heaven who truly cares for you. You have to know his wonderful covenant ways and cherish the relationship that he has established with you. It is an intimate relationship. There are theologians who can quote the Bible backwards and frontwards and who know a lot more about God than any of us. But just because they know about him doesn't mean they actually know him in his ways. Doesn't mean that they have a meaningful relationship with him. There's a difference between knowing about someone and about knowing someone. Only those who regularly get on their knees and pray to God for forgiveness. Only those who humble themselves. Only those who look to him for deliverance and for help and for strength and who go to him in times of distress and in times of thanksgiving will experience his presence and will have such an intimate relationship with him. As a child of God, the Lord comes to you personally and he reveals to you his great name and in that way, and in that way he has come so close to us that he has opened his heart to you and to me. He has ushered us into his inner circle. God has taken us into that inner circle of angels, into that intimate circle of his glory, and he tells you his secrets. He tells you how much he loves you. He tells you what he has in store for you. He tells you what riches he has laid away for you. He tells you how he wants to be near to you. How he wants you to be around him. As you grow in the knowledge of the Lord, more and more you will sense your oneness with him. You will realize more and more that even though we live in this world as apparently insignificant creatures, the God, our God is nevertheless with you in a bond that can never be broken. It can only be broken if you walk away from him. But those who love him have the same mind of Christ who is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. For that is what the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12, 
and 16. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that something? We have the mind of Christ. If that's the kind of relationship you and I have with God, then indeed you will also stand in awe and holy fear of his name. God has come to us. He has given us his name to take upon our lips. And therefore we may never take the revelation of his name to us for granted. Yet, in how many ways don't we do that? And when we take his name for granted, then his name is blasphemed. That's the second point. In revealing his name to us, he also takes a certain risk. For in revealing to us his name, he takes the chance of his name being taken upon the lips of men in an unworthy manner. And that is why he gives such a strong warning not to misuse his name in any way. Or as it says in the commandment, not to take his name in vain. What exactly does that mean? Well, the phrase in vain is taken from a Hebrew root, which in essence means emptiness. It is the Hebrew word shav. This word describes an attitude in which God is treated as unreal, in which his name is used without a true awareness or respect for all that his name represents. The exact phrasing in the Hebrew is, do not lift up the name of the Lord as if it is shav, that is, as if it is empty, even demonic. The world around us misuses and abuses the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in many ways. They take his name on their lips without wanting to be confronted with the true content of that name. How it must anger the Lord to hear his name so trivialized in the world that he created. But what do the scriptures show us? Well, the Lord shows us in his word that the name of Jesus is the name above all others. He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. We just sang that. He came to earth to deal with sin. He came to deal with those who truly want to be confronted with their sin. He came to save those who are truly sorry that they have wronged God because of their sins. And he came to those who need to be saved. And that applies to all mankind. He came to save them from everlasting condemnation. But that is exactly why the unbelievers do not want to be confronted with the content of that name. And that is why they will not be saved either. For they don't want to deal with their sinfulness. They don't want to admit their sins. They want to be independent from him and go their own way. More and more we live in a world that hardens itself in sin. And more and more we live in a world where God's name is used with impunity and contempt. Just look at the various programs which are on TV and in the books that are churned out. There's hardly any programs on TV or books that are sold which do not in one way or the other relish in the sinfulness of man. In the same way the secular media also promotes and actively participates in the blaspheming or abusing the name of God 
by cursing and unnecessary oaths. And how often do we not hear the name of the Lord being used in the wrong manner? It happens so often that some of us even got used to it. We hardly hear it anymore. The vast majority of the secular media and the entertainment industry treat God and his laws as if they do not exist. And they wallow in their sin. And so stay on your guards, brothers and sisters, young people. Do not allow God's name to be blasphemed, not by the guests you allow in your home either, such as your radio, your TV, or the movies on Netflix, or whatever you can find on your smartphone. The Lord will not hold you guiltless. But even in our most holy assemblies and activities, we must honor God's name. How? Well, we misuse him when we take his name upon our lips to further our own cause. Consistently, for example, would misuse God's name if they discipline a person in the name of the Lord for the wrong reasons. And a minister misuses God's name if his preaching is done so that he may be magnified and honored by the people. Catechism has a strong warning from us, and it comes from God's word because it's a summary of God's word. It tells us that we should not share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Such abuse of God's name is a horror to him. And so let us be careful what enters our homes. Let us refuse to be entertained by those who wallow in their own sinfulness. For if we just allow it in our homes, we share in their sinfulness. And let us also be watchful what we do in church and in our very lives. It must be clear to all that we are truly grieved when God's name is abused in any way. A son or daughter would also be grieved when the name of their father or mother is slandered and abused. How much more when the name of our Heavenly Father is abused. Last week, many of us heard about the confirmation process of Judge Brett Kavanaugh in the Supreme Court of the United States and how he defended his name in the face of uncorroborated claims of misconduct against him. And he did so passionately. Why? Because there is so much at stake. His reputation, his wife and children, his parents, the dignity of the Supreme Court and how justice is meted out in the United States of America. When you are justice in the United States... You are a man or a woman with a lot of power. And the power becomes diminished when you are not seen as a person of integrity. But now think about God's name, his holy name, his great name. He is without blemish. He has enormous power. And when you blaspheme his name, you render him ineffective. Of course, nobody and nothing can take away from his power and majesty and holiness. But if you treat him in his word with disrespect and disdain then you cannot avail yourself of his power and majesty and holiness. And so when you do damage to the name of God, then you do damage to yourself and your cause. To confess the holy and unblemished name of the Lord is a call upon his power. Our confession in faith can move heaven and earth. Whoever confesses the name of the Lord in truth Whoever acknowledges God's sovereignty over every aspect of creation calls forth the fullness of his majesty and power. 
He acknowledges him as his covenant God. Brothers and sisters, it is a wonderful thing that the Lord comes to us with his name, that he lifts his name upon us, that we can take his name on our lips and that we may know him as our covenant God. Let us magnify that name. Let us take that name under the microscope. For the more that you do, the more you will discover. You will see what the great content of that name is and how wonderful it is to know that name and take that name upon your lips. Blessed be his name. Amen.